The Cellcast is recorded in front of a live streaming audience. to another episode of The Cellcast. Joining me today is a man who thankfully hasn't been hit with water yet today. Welcome, Jacob. <sighs> Dela, I have to ask, if I douse Jacob with water, is he going to turn into a fish monster? <laughs> no, because you didn't really? think about it. Wow. Well, don't get really? any ideas now. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fine, fine. Anyway. <laughs> Why? Thank you. Let me introduce our co-host, a man who just like a uh, everyone's favorite orange tabby likes likes lasagna every once in a while. Welcome, Drew. Well, I do like Italian food. <laughs> yes, don't forget garlic bread, spaghetti, <laughs> ravioli, all the other things that said in this movie that I can't remember. Enough. Chicken Alfredo. I actually had Cajun chicken Alfredo for dinner tonight. Really. And I didn't think about the fact that we were reviewing a movie based in Italy <laughs> until just this minute. Bravo. So there's that. Yes. <laughs> anyway, yes, tonight we are reviewing the movie Luca, a yes. Disney Plus original Pixar film that sh- it had a certain disease not occurred would actually may have been in the theaters. Thanks, COVID. At some point, we're going to have exhausted. <laughs> I hope <laughs> the movie's affected by COVID. Right. But that day is not today. No, that day is not today. It's not today at all. So, yeah, we are reviewing Luca. You want to just go ahead and jump in our spoiler free section? Sure. Certified fresh and spoiler free. This is both of our second viewings, I know for yes. certain, because we actually reacted to this episode. We did. And it wasn't just a reaction. We did a full-blown oh my audio gosh. commentary. Yes, we did. Oh that my I gosh. believe is still only available through our Patreon. <laughs> and honestly, don't listen to it. So yeah, I know we've both yes. seen this at least twice. Yeah, because I, I remember very distinctly, like sitting in your living room because the time I didn't have internet in my house. Yeah. So I came over, watched it. We're both of us still complain because COVID took this out of theaters, which should have been in theaters. Let's be honest. I'm still and, annoyed that Lightyear was the first Pixar film back in a theater. I well, technically this movie went to theaters, but it was a very short run. Technically, you're right. All of them, except for Soul, yeah, it was in theaters for a very short, yes. very short run mm-hmm. because the Academy Awards did not change their rules about how about what's eligible for Academy Awards. Seriously, which means they have to be in a theater for a short time. Yes. Yeah. So yeah, this was in theaters for a very short time and just not around here and honestly i think at the time i wasn't interested in watching this in the theater again mm. i've already seen it one time mm-hmm. but uh my thoughts might be different now we'll see right but yeah uh it is a quieter movie i think than most pixar films would be classified as in some regards yes especially when you consider this kind of is a monster movie except it it's is. not a monster movie it's it's monster movie in the fact that there are monsters in the Mm -hmm. movie and they are major characters it's not a monster movie in the idea that the being monsters actually affects the plot other than they have to keep their secret safe yeah that's about it 
and it's avoid all, getting wet. It's closer to yeah. a superhero movie in that regard than it is a yeah. monster movie. Uh, agreed. Except they're not superheroes. No. All they have is swimming ability. Yeah. And the ability to transform back and forth between monster form and human form. Yeah. But anyway, it's a, it's an okay movie. It's not my favorite Pixar movie. Yeah. And I'll be honest, I kind of put it off until the last minute last night to watch it. <laughs> because I just remember this being an okay film. Yeah. But I did enjoy my rewatch. Yeah. It was a... It, Outside of the fact of uh, the excitement that we had around the reaction and all mm -hmm. that and, yeah. and doing the, the commentary, commentary, which I think pushed, <laughs> raised the, uh, yeah. my, my hopes for the film. And plus, it's Pixar. I don't, up until that point, mm -hmm. I didn't have to look at a Pixar trailer to know I wanted to see a Pixar film. Now, that being said, between this movie, Soul, Lightyear, mm -hmm. I'm a little. I, I feel like, and I feel like I should want to see a, a, a trailer now yeah. for a Pixar film. Although I've seen now the Elemental trailer so many stinking times, I almost don't want to see that film because it's annoyed me so much. Because <laughs> the theater where I watch movies, uh, where me and mom and me for to watch movies, has played that in front of every movie we've watched there for the last, well, since January. Oh, okay. So, uh, I'm sure it'll be. I'm sure I, this is not about elemental, obviously, yeah. but this is a calmer movie. Okay. And I think that's what threw me off the first time. This time viewing it, I thought, okay, I, I'm, I'm kind of seeing the more uh, how this works as a, just a kind of like a Totoro movie in a way. Oh, okay. Not exactly that, but I, I got to think it's like, there's almost nothing that goes on here. And I thought that's the same. You could say the same thing about Totoro. And that's the first movie we both gave a perfect 10 to and we couldn't did. think of anything to dislike about it. So really, what am I saying? Is this, it's not as good as Totoro. Agree. Get me wrong. Right. But I mean, if I didn't have a trouble, trouble with the more laid back there, why would I have trouble with it here? Either way, it was a it's a fun movie. It's not gonna get you, it's not in a terribly exciting film, mm -hmm. but I mean it was fun. Yeah. What are your thoughts? So again, my first viewing of the film was watching here in Studio B. Studio B. Ever since there again, I didn't have internet in my own apartment. Uh, watching the film while doing your while doing your, doing a reaction while doing commentary on it, which cements the memory of this film so well for doing it for the podcast. And thinking the entire time, thanks, COVID, for, you know, ruining theaters for us for the moment. But overall, I enjoyed the film the first time, watching the second time. I appreciate what they're doing for a film. I appreciate what they're, uh, the storytelling they're doing. Because they're, it is very, you know, at its core, a Pixar film mm -hmm. uh, with a lot of inspiration from uh, Hayao Miyazaki. And you could tell that. Or, oh, yeah. or, or Looney Tunes. About how the characters move, how they're animated. Mm -hmm. uh, overall, I enjoy this film. It's it's not one of my it's not one of the high echelon Pixar films in my in my opinion. But right. it's it's a it's a good Pixar film. In my opinion, and this is solely opinion, take mm -hmm. it for what it's worth. Yes, which means, as far as I'm concerned, you can throw it in the trash, and I won't care. <laughs> I think this might be like the second weakest Pixar film for me. Ah. Uh, 
The only thing I consider kind of worse than that is A Bug's Life. Hmm. I still and I just Bugs don't Life. like A Bug's Life. That's that's one film I haven't seen it's yet. It's not a bad film. It's okay. one I just don't like. Fair. I think Brave is a better film than this, which we need to review Brave at some point. Mm-hmm. Agreed. But anyway, you ready to jump into the full spoiler-filled section? Yeah, let's spoil this thing. All right. Let's, let's dive in. I just had a... Th- mental flashback to an old Stephen Curtis Chapman song. Yeah. Bum, 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 you know bum, what I mean? Yes, dive. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. The following is a spoiler-filled review for the movie Luca. Listener discretion is advised. Luca was written and directed by Enrico Casarosa. And uh, the other major thing he's directed was the short was the Pixar short La Luna. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think I don't remember which movie that was in front of. Oh, yeah. I'm, may I'm, it? I'd have to. I didn't think to check that part. I yeah. think that may have been in front of Inside Out. You could be right on that one. I, I could I be think. wrong there. Good. Anyway, it was also written by Jesse Andrews, Simon Stevenson, and Mike Jones. Cast: We've got Luca Paguro being played by Jacob Trimbley, and uh, he played a character named Bradley Trevor in Doctor Sleep. Hmm. Alberto Scarfano was played by Jack Dylan Glazer, and in the movie Shazam, he played Freddie Freeman. Huh. Ju- Julia Marco Valdo was played by Emma mm. Berman, mm-hmm. and in the upcoming Young Jedi Adventures, she's oh. playing a character named Nash Durango. Nash Durango, that's an interesting name. Well, it's a Star Wars name. Of course. They're always very interesting. Mm-hmm. Ercole Viscante was played by Saverio Raimondo. And in an Italian film I had never heard of, and all of his films were Italian films I had never heard of, huh. besides this one, obviously this one, hmm. he played a character named Il Nero in something called Lo e Angela. Hmm. I have no idea what that's about. Daniela Paguro was played by Maya Rudolph. Okay. And she is Aunt Cass in Big Hero 6. Of course. Massimo Marcavaldo was played by Marco Baracelli. Or Baracelli. Mm-hmm. My apologies if I'm mispronouncing these Italian names. Uh, but in something called Holy Silence, he played Pope Pius XII. Hmm. Literally, I had a hard time picking some of these, as you yeah. can tell. Uh, yeah. Lorenzo Paguro was played by Jim Gaffigan, the mm. comedian, mm-hmm. and he was, of course, Van Helsing in the Hotel Transylvania series of movies. Yes. You know, after they got bad. Mm-hmm. We still need to do the fourth one at some point. Did we, we've done the first we one. We did second. one, two, and three, and the short, but we have not oh, done the fourth. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that... I, I'm, I'm get getting Adam two and Sand- three. I'm getting well, two. We haven't done the one without Adam Sandler in it. Yes. Anyway. And then Grandma Paguro was played by Sandy Martin. And she played the grandma in Napoleon Dynamite. Film I haven't seen that yet. So you wouldn't know what I meant if I, if I told you to get a dang quesadilla? No. Okay, then. No idea. She's that character who says oh. that line. Oh, okay. She's in, like, she's in the movie for like 10, five minutes at most mm. before she's stuck in a hospital for like uh, the rest of the movie. Mm. Anyway. Mm. Kingdom Hearts Connections. Want to guess? Two? 
technically three. Actually, technically it was more than that. I'm only claiming three. Oh, okay. Because this was a hard. This is one of those where no one in the cast, and only so I only had crew members to pick from. And it was only Kingdom Hearts three that I had a connection with. Okay, because that was the one that actually has full orchestration. Uh, okay. So yeah, the music department <laughs> on all three of these guys: Mark Graham, George Doring, and Joe Zimmerman. Music department on both Kingdom Hearts and this and Luca. Okay. And that's all I've got for casts and and such. Okay. What do we got in info and stuff? All right. So IMDb has a 7.4 out of 10. It's available to watch on Disney+. Plus. Uh, production was Walt Disney Pictures and Pixar Animated Studios. Distributed by Walt Disney Studio Home Pictures, which is more, it was more recently when they changed that when, do, when they were mm-hmm. put this over. Release date. Uh, so going into that, uh, Luke was originally set to be in theater, uh, theatrical release in the United States on June 18th, 2021 by Walt Disney Studio Movie Pictures. However, on March 23rd, 2021, Disney announced the cancellation of the film's theatrical release, sad face, and instead was released worldwide on their streaming platform, Disney Plus, as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic. Thanks, Thanks, COVID. COVID. On that same date. Box box office, uh, it actually did have a... a, a, um, It did have a box office release. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no budget anywhere I can see. They they never released the budget for this film. They probably didn't need to. Probably not. Uh, So the film uh, played one week theatrically engaging at the... A film we just reviewed at the El Capitan Theater... I think, uh, yeah, either or. On June 28th through the 25th, 24th, 2021, and international markets where Disney Plus was not available uh, was released theatrically. What movie Um, was it released theatrically with? You said we had just reviewed the movie, but then I didn't say what the movie was. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I was getting the the theater in which Snow White and Seven Dwarfs was released. Oh, yes. Yes, I was getting those two views up. Fair enough, fair enough. Yeah. So, yeah, apparently it was also released on June 13th in, uh, of all places, Genoa for a three-day run uh, for a not, uh, by a nonprofit organization, Media Cinema, to raise funds uh, to raise funds and other other entitlements for uh, charities, which okay. is interesting. Okay. Uh, so streaming, obviously, this movie went directly to Disney Plus. Uh, according to the Nasdaq rating, following its opening weekend, Luca topped all original movies. Uh, topped all original movies in its first in its first day on streaming with 1.5 billion minutes view uh viewing time uh nasler nasler i want to say nasdaq nasler nasden uh reports of the movie topped the weekly streaming top 10 list in june the 14th 14th through the 12th week and ranked in number two on the all-time streaming rating after after the television series manifest on Netflix, the film continued to play well in subsequent, subsequent weeks, logging in 
1.15 billion minutes uh, viewership between June 21st and 25th. Uh, equal to about 1.5 million total watches. The second most for an original film behind The Tomorrow War, Luca was the most watched stream film in 2021 with over 10.6 billion minutes viewed. Hmm. So going to home release, uh, Luca's release to the home market on June, on July 1st, 2021 when it was announced that the Walt Walt Disney Studio Home Entertainment would release Luca on Ultra HD Blu-ray Blu-ray DVD and digital on August 3rd 2021 in the United States and on August 23rd 2021 in the United Kingdom so that's all I have for info and stuff righty. getting into the summary it is 1959 during the summer. Timid sea monster child Luca Paguro herds goatfish off the coast of the Italian town of Porto Rosso. Mm. His parents forbid him from approaching the surface, feeling that he might be hunted by humans. One day, Luca meets Alberto Scorfano, a fellow sea monster child who lives alone in an abandoned tower on dry land. When Alberto encounters Luca to venture... Sorry. When Alberto encourages Luca to venture out of the ocean, he finds out that sea monsters turn into humans as long as they are dry. Luca begins sneaking out to meet Alberto, and they become friends, wishing to own a Vespa and travel around the world. Upon discovering their son's actions, Luca's parents decide to send him to live in the deep with his uncle Ugo. In retaliation, Luca runs away from home with Alberto to hide out in Porto Rosso. The boys run afoul of Ercole Visconti, the local bully and five-time champion of the Porto Rosso Cup, a triathlon of swimming, pasta eating, and biking. When Ercole tries to soak Luca in a fountain, uh, Julia Marcovaldo, a young girl, stops him in hopes of winning the money needed for a Vespa. The boys team up with Julia for the triathlon. Every time I see Julia's name because it's spelled G I L U L U L I A, I keep wanting to say Guilia. Mm, that makes sense. But her name is Julia. 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 Italian. Mm-hmm. Fun. Anyway, Julia invites them to stay at her house and introduces her fisherman father, Massimo, who holds grudges against sea monsters. Meanwhile, Luca's parents infiltrate the town to find their son. Julia and Luca bond over their love of learning, making Alberto jealous. When Luca shows interest in attending school, Alberto intentionally reveals his sea monster form to Julia to prevent it. Unwilling to give himself up, give himself up, Luca feigns surprise to be with Julia, and a betrayed Alberto flees as Ercole's gang shows up to try to hunt them. Heartbroken, Alberto trashes everything in this hiding place. Shortly after, Julia finds out that Luca is a sea monster as well, and sends him away for his safety. Luca heads to Alberto's hiding place in an effort to reconcile with him, and learn that he was abandoned by his father long ago. Although Alberto declines to participate in the triathlon, Luca promises to win the Vespa to rebuild their friendship. The triathlon begins with Luca and Julia competing separately. Luca successfully completes the swimming race and pasta eating contest without revealing himself, but rain begins during the bike race. Alberto shows up to give him an umbrella, but Ercole knocks him to the wet ground, exposing a sea monster form much to everyone's horror. Luca this time helps him, albeit revealing himself as well. They resume biking with Ercole 
now trying to harpoon them for money, which is stopped by Julia smashing her bike against his. Luca and Alberto unintentionally cross the finish line, but turn back to help Julia. When Ercole and other townsfolk confront them, Massimo stands up for them and insists that they have won. A few of the townsfolk are revealed to be sea monsters as well, and Luca is finally reunited with his family. The humans welcome the sea monsters with the exception of Ercole, whose prejudice turns him into an outcast. His henchmen, who were fed up with his abuse, throw him into the fountain and abandon him. Luca and Alberto buy a Vespa, but Alberto sells it to get a train ticket for Luca, allowing him to go to school in Genoa with Julia. Luca's family, Massimo and Alberto, see Luca and Julia off at the train station, where they all promise to stay in touch. During the credits, Luca meets Julia's mother and attends school with Julia, whereas Massimo adopts Alberto as his son. Hmm. Getting into the trivia for this, Porto Rosso can be seen as an advertisement on a travel agency window in Pixar's previous film, Soul. In the Marco Valdo kitchen, the brand of the stove is Caldino, which hmm. means little hot, while those of the, of the fridge is Fredino, meaning hmm. little cold. Yeah, okay. Alberto's surname, Scorfano, is Italian for scorpion fish. Yes. It's commonly used to indicate that a person is not good looking. The favorite pasta dish in Marco Valdo's house is Trenete al Pesto. It's the flagship dish of Genoa, the city where director Casa Rosa comes from. Trenette are a kind of flat spaghetti. Pesto is a sauce made out of basil, parmesan, pine nuts, garlic, and olive oil. Out of all the characters in the film, Luca has the largest eyes proportional to his head mm -hmm. since he is so curious and eager to take everything in. Mm, that makes sense. Directo Enrico Casarosa stated that he drew inspiration from the films of Hayao Miyazaki when creating the film. The character Luca's original last name was going to be Portoroso, a nod to Miyazaki's Porco Rosso. Mm -hmm. uh, in the final version of the film, the character's surname was changed and the last name of the town was changed to Porto Rosso. Mm -hmm. Ironically, also a Italian a movie set in Italy. Mm -hmm. Just throwing that out. Yeah, very true. When asked why he chose Luca as the film's title, Casa Rosa said that he had based the film on his friendship with his childhood friend Alberto, but he couldn't just use, uh, use in his own name, Enrico, and chose Luca because it's simple and it's pronounced well in America, too. Mm -hmm. In an interview by the director, Enrico Casarosa indicated that the plot of a shy, reserved kid who befriends a nonconformist type who pushes him into becoming more open is directly based on his own experiences as a child. He also said to he also said to have spent as a kid summers at Sonique Terre, where the movie is originally set. So yeah, that's what I got for trivia. Uh, Jacob, what is your first like for this film? My first like would be the animation, especially how they, the characters, um, how they express themselves, mm -hmm. how, how these characters express themselves, their, their animation. Because if you look at it, how, how their, their walk cycles, how they move, how they fall has so much of the like Looney Tunes, like just kind of like not rubbery, but has this uh, very fluidity of walking and, like they move and everything. It's so be like I just I enjoy the animation for that. How be like the the character movement is so wonderful, and uh, definitely when uh, Luca goes flying off his bike, it's just that that head over heels just flop, just like like you'd see in old mm -hmm. old Looney Tunes shorts. 
the exact same way, like with a high Miyazaki film or something like that. It's just like, it's so beautifully well done. It's a different style of Pixar film that makes it its own. And it's set in Italy. Yeah. What's your number? First one. I like the transformation sequences from, from the uh, sea monsters to the humans. Yeah. That is that 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 transition is done very well, and they did a good job of making it believable that the human version, human models, and the sea monster models were the same persons. Um, but the way they they animated that transition of the the scales coming out, and the, mm-hmm. it it did a very it did, it was done very well, including those instances where they only could be half transformed for because they only got a little bit wet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I appreciated a lot of that because that was very interesting to see. Yes, I agree. Uh, what's your second like? My second like would be the family, uh, the not family, but friendship dynamic mm-hmm. between Luca, uh, Alberto and Al- Julia. Alberta and Julia. Thank you. I just forgot the names for a second there. My apologies. Uh, yes, where it's like uh, Luca is the very shy one. Uh, uh, Alberto? Alberto. 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 Yes. Again, I am terrible with names. Alberto is a town in Canada. Yeah, Alberto. Yeah. Alberto is the outgoing, rebellious type. And then you have Julia, who's the an, another one of the outcasts and who mm-hmm. wants to prove herself. And uh, it makes this interesting trio of characters where uh, they're all kind of learning, learning and living through each other. And I find that, that dynamic so well uh, poignant mm-hmm. where you have... Um, Lucas just wants to learn everything. He's very, um, he's very excited about everything. And so you have uh, Roberto is just be like he's just playing everything off ear. He doesn't really know what he's talking about, right? But he's 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 got that suave debonair. Be like I'm 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 giving enough gusto to make you think I know what I'm talking about. And you're you'll be like you kind of believe him for a second, then you start realizing his flaws. And then be like that makes an interesting dynamic. Then you bring in Julia, who is the the girl who's living there for the summer mm-hmm. with her uncle. No, it's her father. Oh, it's her father. Okay, her father. Their parents apparently had to, were split. Yeah. So with their father, for some reason, I thought uncle, but it's father. Um, and it's just that interesting dynamic where Julia and um, Luca be like start having their connection as friends. And be like, they're both interested in learning and he's learning more and more about the world instead of what uh, Roberto tells him. And that, you know, with that dynamic broke up throughout mm-hmm. and the rest of the film where it's fused back together. And uh, so, yeah, that is just it's like the the character dynamics are so well done. And it, it's it's authentic because it actually it comes across as kids. It doesn't come across as like you know, adults trying to write something for be like, it's not adults trying to be kids, but Ah. it's kids being kids and the dynamics and the struggles and the heartbreaks and the, uh, the, the awe of um, connecting with someone you're not used to and being a little rebellious when you're more shy and timid and uh, the, the characters growing from one another. And I I find that really, really, um, really interesting. What's your number two? The uh, the race <clears throat> at the very end of yes. the uh, of the film. 
the first time we watched this, I don't think I was sold on this being the climax of the film. Yes. At first. But in this time, I really felt like, okay, yeah, this does now, despite what it is, mm-hmm. and I'm still kind of looking at it as an adult, looking mm-hmm. at what these kids are considering, like, the most important thing in their lives and going, oh, you yeah. have no idea. Yeah. They, while that's still there, in the moment, I feel the importance of this in their lives. Yes. Of how important mm-hmm. it is to to win this race. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how stressful it is with the fact that it didn't start out the way they wanted they they uh were hoping it would and it's all kind of gone to pot you get right down to it um but that everything from him having to him walking uh on the sea floor Mm -hmm. uh to uh in the uh the diver's helmet uh, the diver suit which I still don't think he could have made it all the way out to that buoy and back in that suit <laughs> in mm. that amount of time. I'm mm. sorry. I don't think that's actually possible, but I kind of right. let it slide uh-huh. to some degree. I think he would have been better off if he'd have just accidentally, quote unquote, come up in behind a house, tra- uh, dried himself off real quick, and then went and ate the pasta because he would have had enough time, I think, to pull that off. Yeah. But maybe, I don't know, he, he would have gotten in trouble for that. I don't know. I'm just kind of guessing yeah. here. Uh, um, mm-hmm. And the fact that you actually have to eat like a, a plate full of noodles before you then have to bike up a very steep hill mm-hmm. and then get all the way back down. And, of course, Julia's never been able to pull that last part off. Yeah. Because she always those chunks before she yes. gets to the top of the hill yes and this time she did not not that mm. they didn't have a bucket for it yes uh but i mean the the whole thing felt like this is the most ridiculous triathlon i have ever heard of and it also feels like the kind of things i would see kind the kind of uh sports the top of races you expect kids to get into like yeah uh I, i've seen stranger things at at at, uh, at church to be yeah. honest, fair See, yes. with, with mm. kids' obstacle courses and such. Yes, and yes, this is not really that far from our true, far big a distance from our perspective. But this create it, it's a very big distance for them, so I get mm-hmm. that. Yeah, but I, I really like how they, despite the fact you're looking, it, 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 I like how it plays on two levels. Mm-hmm. On one hand, as an adult, I go on this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. If this is just for fun, this is not the end of the world, kids, and then. I, simultaneously i get that perspective and i get the other perspective of this is the most important thing we will ever do in our lives and we must win and so the fact that halfway through it now they are accidentally turned into sea monsters and are now running for their lives just adds to that excitement despite the facts it's a pixar film mm-hmm. it's a disney film we know that they're not going to be hunted into the sea and will never be allowed to the surface again <laughs> we know this the question is how are we going to get back out of it and it ended about the way i expected mm-hmm. it to so it, still i liked how you felt the strain and yet you also didn't feel the strain at the same time yeah on that race so yeah okay so what's your third my third like would be Vesta sacrifice. <laughs> Let me explain. Vespa sacrifice. Vespa sacrifice. Thank you. I knew it was going. By the way, you know what the word Vespa means in Italian, right? No. What does it mean? Wasp. Wasp. Okay. Yeah. Makes sense. That's what the name of that motor scooter is. Based off, it, it means is little wasp. It's yeah, and it sounds like a wasp. 
that's the other reason it's yeah, named exactly that. exactly i mean so it's, it's got a smaller it's got like a very small motor you don't actually have to have a motorcycle license to, mm. to drive the thing that's true mm. but anyway anyways so we we we, we have this goal with uh alberto and alberto and luca alberto and luca thank you and, why am i terrible with names Alberto and Luca, their and goal it, is to buy a Vespa, right? It does not hurt your case that these are harder names. Yes, they, than most most names. So yes, you, I think you get a pass. Okay, all right, or more of a pass than usual. Okay, mm. <laughs> but Alberto and Luca's ambition, their drive for uh, entering the competition is to buy their Vespa. And mm-hmm. to travel the world and to understand everything that a little ten year old could. Yes. And uh I they like they they strive and strive to be like their whole goal again is to buy the Vespa. And uh they, they learn what a Vespa is, they're still infatuated with it. And uh like like any little boy, it's like, oh my gosh, I learned about this car and I want this car, or mm-hmm. I, I want this toy, or I want this or this or this. So your ambition becomes that and your goal and your drive is that. So our characters, they, they win the race and they, um, Alberto, Alberto, Alberto gets, they, they, they get the Vespa. It's not the best Vespa, but they no. get the Vespa. They finally get the Vespa. They finally get what they dream for. And it and, needs um, some work. It needs some work. It needs some TLC. At valid. the very least, it needs new tires. Yeah. So our good patch job. So, the 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 point I say with this is just like the the willingness that Alberto is willing to give for how much he he loves his friend to give up the one thing he has been striving for this entire movie is the Vespa in order to purchase the ticket for his friend Luca to mm-hmm. go to school. I'd be like watching it for the second time. I kind of tear. I'd be like I didn't. I got emotionally choked up, and I was like, be like. Dude, that that is the like the epitome of sacrificial to willingly give up something that you treasure, mm-hmm. something you've strived and longed and desired for, for your friend's opportunity to fulfill their dream. Mm-hmm. And I found that incredibly touching. That it was, I'd be like, it was a very emotional scene because that's when when you when you are really good friends with somebody. You, I mean, like you, you're willing to do stuff you normally wouldn't do for normal people, unless you're like family or something like that. And I just, I found that very touching that Alberto was willing to do that sacrificially, mm-hmm. just like Christ did for us on the cross. Uh, willingly gave up something he loved for a friend. So yeah, I, I just. That was like the icing on the cake for this film was that was that one moment where the the whole everything came together to get that Vespa. Right. And then he gave it up for his friend. Okay. That, that was that was so touching. So yeah. Vespa. My third like is it's Luca's gullibility to some degree. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's he, innocence. There's a lot of innocence he has. Yes. So he, he's at, he's trying to learn everything because he has a love of he's a curiosity when it comes to learning. I get that, and I can see how being stuck herding goatfish mm-hmm. would be not exactly intellectually stimulating. Yeah. So when he meets with Alberto, 
And Alberto, despite the fact of absolutely knowing nothing, yes. because how can he? He's never even been mm-hmm. to town. Uh, he is very good at turning a story. Yes. And making up things. And Luca, bless his heart, <laughs> believes every single word of, of it. Of course. To the point, I don't know if you caught this. There's a point where uh, Luca gets knocked out by something. Yeah. And it does the whole, you know, uh, stars. Yeah, he sees head. fish. Yeah, he sees fish. You yeah. know why he sees fish? Because he thought stars because were actually fish. Stars were fish. <laughs> because that's what Alberto tells him. Yeah. So it's like, that's clever. That's very clever. Well, and, then, also, and then, of course, there's that dream sequence when mm-hmm. when, when uh, they they have launched their Vespa into mm-hmm. space and oh, they're yeah. flying among the the starfish. Yes, pardon the pun. <laughs> and the giant moonfish. Yes, and he goes to touch it and turn, turns back into a sea mm-hmm. monster because, as we all know from Finding Nemo, you don't touch the butt. <laughs> you still don't know what that means. I, I I've seen. Uh, Finding yeah, you have Nemo. seen Finding Nemo. I have seen Finding Nemo. Okay. It's been a very long time since I've seen Finding Nemo. Since when you when you touch the boat, we'll yeah. say it right the, the yeah, right the way this boat. time instead of the way they said it in the movie. <laughs> you touch the boat or the underside thing of the thing you're not supposed to touch. Oh, Bad things happen. Yes. And in this case, you wake up and you're a sea monster because, and I quote, the sky leaked. <laughs> you know what this also reminds me of? The Little Mermaid. I can see that. Yeah, where Ariel be like doesn't know anything about the real world, and so like all the items she finds, and what does she? Scuttle is the expert about everything, yeah. and he's he's like, like um, I want to call him Alfonso now. It's not Alfonso, you goober. Alberto. Alberto. He's not um, Arthur Fonzarelli. <laughs> Alberto is giving him all this stuff he thinks is true, and but he has no way of knowing it's he, not. So. He, yeah, exactly. So it's I found those little parallels between a, like a Disney Pixar film and a Disney film. Yeah, about someone learning what it means to be on the surface, exactly, and how the world is not what they think it is. Exactly. But on that note, yeah, now we got to talk about our dislikes. Yes. What's your first dislike for this? Oh film? my gosh, this is a hard one. Um, uh, I'll refer to you because I'm still working on mine. Okay. Yes. My first dislike is our bully. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Hey, you don't like him because you're not supposed to like him. Right. Granted, that should be like a, that, that kind of makes it sound like I'm giving this a backhanded dislike uh-huh. because of course I don't like him. You're not supposed to like him. This is like not liking uh, Gaston or mm-hmm. Scar. You're not supposed to, like him. but you'll know if you go back to those episodes, I listed those characters under likes, not dislikes. Yeah. Because while I am not supposed to like uh, Ercole, yeah, the fact is he's not even that interesting a villain. Agreed. If you want to call him a villain, I don't even think he technically even rises to the rank of villain. He's just annoyance. He's he's more the he is an antagonist, but not he's, he's the antagonist of the film. There's yes. no doubt about that. Yes, and he does a good job of being a roadblock. For our uh, our heroes, yeah. But my issue really is the fact that this. I, I know he's a kid, and he really can't be that much. Of is, a, is he a kid? He's sixteen. He said he was sixteen. Okay, okay. This gotcha. year, okay. Again, 
Again. That's what they said. Yeah. Yes, but this year I mean it. <laughs> no, um, he, he's he's obviously an antagonist, and he's but the thing is, and I know bullies usually don't really have a good reason for mm-hmm. being bullies other than yeah. appearing to be popular or better than everybody else. I know that's kind of the whole shtick of the bully character. Mm-hmm. But the fact of the matter is, I didn't when he was finally defeated. Even the mo- even okay. We have had villains in the past that were mm-hmm. kind of so so. Yeah, agreed. And I was so happy to see them get their comeuppance. Yeah. When he gets his comeuppance, looks like, dude, what are you still doing here? Go. We don't care about you anymore. Leave. Yeah. You are not important enough. You're not even that interesting a character. If you ha- were not here, the only thing that wouldn't happen is you wouldn't be trying to kill somebody. Yeah. And obviously everyone else has had it with you too. Even when his goons, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you know, that should, his goons uh, giving up on him and, you know, pushing him into the, the pond or whatever, mm-hmm. that should make me happy. That should make me excited. It's like, yeah, mm, yes, you finally are standing up for yourself. And I'm going, why didn't you do that years ago? Yeah. Why? This guy, this kid, this kid is not just, it, a good villain mm-hmm. is someone you either love to hate mm-hmm. or you hate to love. Yeah. This is the third type of villain, which is not a good villain. And that's just annoying. Yeah. You know who this villain reminds me of? Who? That ice cream man from 100% Wolf. Oh, crap. Yes. He is about that. Yes. Oh, my gosh. That that uh, effective and interesting. Yeah. I just don't care about this kid. He's... Even other Pixar films where they have obviously evil characters mm-hmm. that you kind of are just glad to see gone by the end of the film, mm-hmm. you kind of are looking forward to seeing how the hero is going to uh, defeat them, right yeah. above them, mm-hmm. become better than them. I didn't feel that way about this character. It's like these kids are already better than this kid. Yeah, he's just being. He's just. He's a putz. Yeah, he's a guy who thinks he's all that in a bag of chips, and we know from the beginning he's not. He just happens to know a couple people, and you know, as soon as as soon as it starts, you know, by the end of the film, they're all gonna leave him high and dry. And your hope is that maybe then there might be a turnaround. You might see your character rise above even their dislike of the kid, mm-hmm. and maybe befriend him. Yeah, but they don't even do that. It's like no, this kid. Tries to kill them with the harpoon. Grant, that would put a damper on any relationship. Yeah, it would. Uh, and he's been an annoyance this whole time, but at the same time, it's like you don't, you, you don't, you, we don't get to revel in his defeats. Mm-hmm. We don't get to be, we don't, we don't get to revel in him being evil, and we don't even really get any satisfaction from uh, him turning over a new leaf. This is a one-note villain. And I don't even really consider it. He's a one-note antagonist. And I'm disappointed in that. Yeah. Pixar's better than that. I agree. I agree. And having a one-note antagonist. Now, granted, maybe the story really didn't need anything more than that. Yeah. Maybe there was, because like, I know the way Pixar does stuff, they have a mm-hmm. hundred different ideas and it gets whittled down. And maybe that this is just something that they took out for reasons of pacing in the story and it wasn't mm-hmm. the focus of their story. But I just wanted better from this kid. Yeah, as a either as an antagonist 
or to come around at the end and ask for forgiveness for what he's doing and yeah. then have the kids forgive him. If you're going, if it's not one, it should kind of should be the other and yeah. it's neither. And that's disappointing. Yeah. But this is just, he's an annoying antagonist and he learns nothing. Yeah. I would agree. And our characters don't get to learn anything from him. He's just something that someone they beat. Yeah. He's, he's literally just an obstacle in the way. That's yeah. all he is. And I don't like obstacle villains. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you've got to give me more to chew on. You got to give me a reason either to hate him to, or to love him. And yeah. You gave me neither. Yeah. Yeah. My, my number one is the exact same. It's the annoying antagonist who just like, like you said, like all he does, he, he, uh, puffs and bloats bloats and stuff out to be in this be like oh i'm the greatest thing ever and you obviously you can tell he's not but obviously he's won the race once or twice and uh he he's like he's reveling over that victory mm -hmm. but he really has nothing be like he's he's going against much younger kids and it's just like it's a he's an annoying character that really just doesn't his, his he has petty goals he is his his ambition is just to win another race and like, there's no real high drive there's no oh I, I, I want to do this i want to do this kind of character i'm still not sure why he felt it was so important for him to win the race obviously he's even by his standards he probably should be considering himself too old he yeah. already has a vespa yeah a nice brand new vespa that obviously that money didn't that that prize money did not pay for yeah, I'm sorry, it didn't. No, not if all they could get at the end was that cr uh, cruddy one. Yeah, he. What? He, there was some other money that went into that. Even if that's six or seven years worth of prize money. Yeah, that's uh, been built up. That's no way he afforded that Vespa on that on that on 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 the prize money. Yeah. Um, I don't understand his motivation. Yeah, because I I I understand where other than he just wants to still be considered top dog in this little town and apparently there's no other kids older than him apparently there's no other teenagers in this town which is odd i, I can kind of see maybe there was a i said this is 1950s mm -hmm. he would be 16 that would put him being born in 44 approximately ish heck, uh, heck italy that should be a bit of a baby boom yeah, I think that's just. I don't know exactly how Italy fared at, right after World War II. True, because I know they had to pay back some reparations, right? Obviously, but I would think the people, at the very least, there may have been more than a couple. Yeah, there should have been at least some kids that were in that. It's more kids in that town than. Yeah, I agree. Just him being the eldest, and then a bunch of seven, eight-year-olds. Yeah, I agree. I agree. There, there, there's, there's not enough. There's not enough. Uh, like older kids in this town. It's a bunch of like younger Grant, kids. Grant, there's not a lot of adults in this no, town. No, there's but it's not. supposed to be a little fishing village in the side of nowhere. Yeah, agree. You're lucky you have enough people to even have this race. Yeah, agree. If you're being honest. Yeah. But I mean, like, you, you have this character who is his sole ambition is to win another race no matter what. And he's just, he's the town bully that is just be like, he loves to annoy people because he has this, he had the clout, be like, oh, I've won so many races. And uh, he just he bullies his way through everything, and obviously you the the end result is what the end result is, is that he loses the race. Uh, actually, I would listen to a podcast about it's about true crime, and uh, this guy who's very similar to our villain, who was the town bully. He threatened people. He threatened people's lives, 
and uh, the town went all vigilante on him. <laughs> Let's just say that. Uh, now, I will say, yeah, as a to throw this movie a bone, okay. we are looking at it from the perspective of adults. Yes, we are. For kids' point of view, this may not be as big a deal. Yeah. But in my mind, I still want someone to get their comeuppance. Mm-hmm. And this got kid, all his comeuppances, nobody in town likes you. Go away. Yeah, that's it's it. Like, that's, he'll get over that in a day. Yeah. Move on to another b- village and, you know. Good night. Vulcan and Skull are better bullies than you are. Oh, my. Wow. Yeah, you're not kidding. You're not kidding. Anyway. Yeah. That's my number. That's my first dislike. What's yours? My second dislike. My second dislike is going to have to be the uh, the fact that the, the, the anglerfish dude, the one from the trench that was semi-transparent and Luca had to punch his heart to keep it going. Oh, yeah, 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 the uncle. Yeah. I like his design. Yeah. I like the fact that he exists. I hate that he's only in five seconds of this movie. Uh, true and i mean it, it does not granted once luca has escaped yeah and has, has run away that's i i get why he's not in it at that point but that still feels like you need a i kind of i kind of wish the parents had brought him along and had to we had to keep dealing with yeah. you know, his heart stopping or whatever so that it felt like mm-hmm. there was more of a if Luca doesn't get the, if Luca and Alberto don't get the Vespa, mm-hmm. then he might have to go, you know, to, to the bottom of a trench. Yeah. Make it feel like there's actually a, a more of a reason to, yeah. To go about this. Cause for the most part, uh, uh, Luca doesn't even know his parents are in town. Yeah. For most of the film. Now, granted, his parents are hilarious. Yeah. I this. agree. They <laughs> are throughout this. They and are. How many close calls I get is, it's kind of funny. It is, but I kind of wish it felt more like, oh, every time Luca turns around, there's he's almost like he maybe is scared of his uncle. Yeah, I can imagine through some nightmares or something, but we don't even get to see that he's. Yeah. I forgot that character was in this film until Mm. we rewatched it. That's true. A lot of other elements I remembered uh, before we going back to it. I forgot this that element exists, and that's because it exists for one scene. And after he runs away, yeah, it gets brought up that he was. Lucas says, "Oh yeah, I was gonna have to go off with, with my creepy uncle to mm-hmm. somewhere because that's why I, that's why I ran away from home." Mm-hmm. Uh, but for the most part, that 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 character was okay. A few weeks ago, when we reviewed Fern Gully, yes, we had the uh, that big lizard mm. that we barely talked about. That's uh, the, the Goana. Yes, who's in the movie for what one song and then goes? Yeah. And I believe on some, I believe uh, on some parts of the internet they call that a big lipped alligator moment. Yes. This this uncle, creepy yeah. uncle, was a big lipped alligator moment. He existed Agreed. for this one scene to give an excuse for Luca to run away from home. Yeah. You know, from his perspective, for real. But we didn't. It didn't. I almost want him to be the secondary villain. Obviously, one that might say, "Oh, you, I understand. Yeah, we're not going that way." But help his parents mm-hmm. look. For his nephew, I would assume he would be wanting to do that. You would think, but he doesn't even do that. I, I don't want him to be a villain per se. Yeah, but he should be like, oh, this is something we're worrying about because not only do, are we having to worry about uh, his parents finding him, but now there's a third one, and the third guy, 
he's you know he he uh, he's even creepier to look at. Mm-hmm. So he's might be actually be causing more trouble in town now that he's being seen. Other than the weird weirdo adults who keep throwing all the kids in the fountain. Gosh, <laughs> yes, while playing soccer. <laughs> Uh, I just wish there was more to it, and I, and I kind of wish the grandma had more of a role. Yeah, agreed. It's just we have there's a lot of characters who are in the movie for like a short bit. Yeah, at the beginning and at the end, and the rest of the time it's like because once we get to town, all the we all the sea monster. I mean, those are the only two sea other sea monster characters really, but yeah, outside of char- background characters, I just wish we had more of. I, I want I want all the, the these quote unquote major characters. Mm-hmm. To actually have more of a role in the film, even though they're not really major characters. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah, that's my second dislike. I agree. Now, my second is my second dislike is more like help me if, if I'm wrong on this one. Just point out if I'm wrong. So the the parents uh again, the parents are hilarious hilarious. Yes. They're absolutely hilarious throughout the entire film. Which I wanted to give a kudos to Jim Gaffigan playing the father mm-hmm. because I did not realize that was Jim Gaffigan. Oh, okay. Because a, he didn't sound anything like Van Helsing does, and he doesn't sound like his stand-up. Oh, okay. I've listened to a lot of uh, Jim Gaffigan's stand-up. Mm-hmm. This guy, this character sounds nothing like him. Oh, okay. So, so he did a good job of messing with his voice. So normally we have characters, what, what is their ambition, what is their drive, in order to prevent someone from doing something, right? Right. Okay, so with and Luke, granted, we know the parents are really worried about the safety of their son. Yeah, they're obviously very worried about him, but we we don't have a uh, like a motivation. Why? Like, obviously, it's like we don't want the the humans or the what do they call them in the films? Land monsters. Land monsters. We, we we don't want the land monsters to get you. Okay, so we get there. Fair. Fair, but at the same time, be like it's okay. But but is there a story behind that? Is there is there something that you're, is? You're the, right. That is a dropped. Uh, yeah, it's a bit. Because obviously grandma didn't care. She apparently goes to town once or twice a week. Exactly. And so the parents didn't know about it. Yeah, which is so odd. So why would grandma but, be going to town? And the par- why, why would the parents not know grandma mis- was disappeared for a while? Exactly. Where if, she went. If, um, I think grandma if, can go where she wants, but yeah, still. But at the same time, be like this, be like you brought up a good point. Because the idea that like this is based on a big Italian family, correct? Yeah. One so, assumes they, they they all know what people they all are know doing. What people do. Yeah. So why would grandma be fine going to town once uh, every once in a while? But now her, I don't know who's, uh, who's uh, grandma mother. She is. Yeah. If it's the, if it's uh, the father or the mother, but either way, um, why does neither of the parents, the, of the, you know, the, the mom and dad, why does, why are they scared? Yeah. Why are they scared of the land monsters when grandma's not? Yeah, exactly. What spooked them from ever going on to land. Exactly. Give us that backstory. Give us what I think we can imply considering time period. Mm-hmm. The war did that. That could that could be a good fact. But that's a theory. Yeah. The movie never states anything about fighting or anything. It's mm-hmm. just, oh, they're scared of uh land monsters because land monsters fish. Yeah. And it's like I get that, but then why is the grandma not spooked? Yeah, exactly. So it's it's kind of a it's understanding where like uh, uh how I put it. Hold on, one second. All right, uh, being clammy parents, being like just like we're trying oh, to shelter. Yeah, <laughs> sheltering sheltering parents. 
Um, sheltering parents. Yeah, sheltering parents. Um, We're getting real punny in here tonight. Yes. Yes, 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 yes. Um, so, I, again, like when when you're growing up, you like your parents are, you know, kind of shelter you a little bit, want to make sure you don't, you're not, you know, completely, you know, bamboozled by the world, which is a good thing in, in some cases. Um, but it's be like the the parents we don't really get the we understand the parents motivation of we want to protect our son but at the same time is there i would love to see like a little more deeper backstory into why instead of just be like oh the uh the uh the the the, the monsters on top are just there they want to they want to they want to do this and this but you know if they could have gave us a little more story like maybe like finding nemo or like heck, most Pixar films give you a be- better. Um, yeah, just, I, I wish they would give us a more backstory on why the parents are more are very concerned because because obviously the grandmother has no problem with it because we learn that later. So I, I wish that we would give more backstory because that would be a little more. It's like, okay. Did did a relative they died? Did they get pulled up by the the the, the fisherman? And so that's why they're so scared of them because it's just like the, the motivation is like, okay, we will protect her son, mm-hmm. but what's, what's a deeper reason? I mean, I get why the adult, the, why the humans mm-hmm. are scared of the sea monsters. Oh yeah. Cause they're sea monsters. They're sea monsters. They probably haven't seen sea monsters in years, but there's been sightings. Mm-hmm. So I get why they're spooked. Yeah. I don't know why the adult, the, the sea monsters are spooked of the land monsters mm-hmm. considering they all know they actually exist and have seen them on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. They know they're real. And I I get the maybe it's supposed to be like touching on, um, just being scared of people different from yourself. Yeah, maybe that, the thought process behind it, but possibly I, that doesn't really fit considering they no. can go up to they they can go up to land, dry off, and then mm-hmm. essentially be human. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, it's a little weird. So yeah, I, I wish they would have flushed that out a little bit more, because like you have Finding Nemo with her yeah. with the mother, be like it would have been nice, but like maybe like like a, a like a like a son or a daughter or someone else got you know got you know scooped up by a human or something like that. So now they're definitely afraid of it. Yeah, minus the grandmother has no fear about nothing. It's just again weird. So yeah, that's my that's my second dislike. What's yours? My third dislike is kind of based on that, and it's just the idea that there are elements of this film that are stated. Mm-hmm. They are pretty much you. You see them reacting at the time, and then and then it like goes away with like almost no one noticing it anymore. Mm. You mentioned the fact, you know, the fact that the uh, the sea monsters are scared of the land monsters. That's an element. But we see how that gets kind of cleared up as the longer uh-huh. the sea monsters are among the, the humans, they come to understand that they're not really different people that that different of people, and that's true of the the humans being scared of the sea monsters. So we get to see some of that, but then you get things like uh, Julia's dad. Mm-hmm. He pretty much had declared. Mm-hmm. War, revenge on sea monsters because supposedly s- no. the sea monsters took his arm. Yeah, that's a, that's a motivation. That's a good. That's a decent motivation for yeah. wanting revenge. I mean, mm-hmm. that's that was enough for 
that's enough for classic literature when you yep. consider like uh captain ahab mm-hmm. or captain hook yes and things of that nature so i mean that's not out of out of the realm of imagination and granted for most of the film he doesn't seem like an angry man like and you kind of get the suspicion that you know he's he knows what the kids are mm. what, what alberto and luca are mm. but honestly his turn at the end where he says yes i know who these boys are they are the winners of the race mm-hmm. it's like shouldn't you be the first to have to deal with this fact shouldn't i see more uh vile coming from him more having to deal with it even if he knew about it beforehand yeah hey let us see that he already knows about it and is dealing with it but also is not wanting to maybe worry his daughter julia since these kids seem to be decent people yeah even though they're these horrible sea monsters yeah and have him co- let us see the journey of him coming to terms with the fact that he understands that these are just normal people mm. and the fact is at the end of the movie everyone is fine with the sea monsters yeah except for of course our villain who's just an annoyance yeah I never, we never really get to see the journey of anyone who really should hate the sea monsters with every fiber of their being. Yeah. And turn around, and the only person who really fits that bill, Mm -hmm. well, there's two people who fit this. Well, no, only one, because even our annoyance of of an antagonist only wants to kill the sea monsters for the reward money. Yeah. Which I get, but it's like, eh, I I still don't like you. You're still not that interesting a character. The father, that would be an interesting story to see him having to deal with the fact that, oh, they're sea monsters, but they're good kids. They actually helped me find all these fish, despite yeah. the fact that's got to be really weird from their point of view, helping a human get all these fish that they're going to feel, they would feel weird about eating. Yeah, exactly. Also feeding a fish to their cat, to his cat that's on the boat. <laughs> yes. Uh This guy could have had a bit more of a story going on where it's like you are because obviously we are worried about him finding out throughout mm-hmm. most of the movie, but he knows by the end of the movie and does not care, or at least doesn't show that it's even a big deal to him. Yeah. Granted, by that point, he's maybe already kind of got that relationship where you know he's because he's gonna adopt Alberto by the mm-hmm. during the credits. Yeah. So maybe he's already on that part of the journey, but we don't get to see any part of that journey. Yeah. He reminds me of uh, of oh, the, the the dad from uh, Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, where he didn't ever show emotion. But that was the joke. He he his emotions were constant and it just yeah. never showed. Yeah, he maybe had maybe dealt with worry and stuff, and that just it just didn't show because of the way he was a very stoic person. Mm-hmm. This guy doesn't feel stoic from the beginning, but then he never we never see his journey. I feel with like the, the guy from Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, we kind of can see his journey. Yeah. It's subtle, but it's there. This guy's like, you, you're kind of told in the beginning, oh, I hate sea monsters and I'm going to kill one. Mm-hmm. And at the end, it's like, yes, they're sea monsters and I don't give a care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's, I, there's, I don't, there's, there's, there's I don't no see growth. how he got to that point. Yeah, there's no growth as a character. Except me, like, he, it, it's, it's a growth spurt at the last second. And yeah. it's like, if you gave me more with him i maybe could do this but the fact is outside of the fishing scene the guy's barely in the movie yeah that's true which is weird which is understandable it's about the kids but at the same time right but i 
I mean, Luca's parents are in the movie more than he is as humans. Yes, I agree. Not just the part at the beginning where it makes sense that they would be there, but mm -hmm. as humans, they're there and they are doing more than he is doing. Cause just, except for the fishing scene and him happening to be around and cooking and such, he's given such an introduction that you think, Oh, this is going to be a bit of stress that we're going to have to, that the mm -hmm. characters are going to have to deal with throughout the rest of the movie because they're going to be hiding who they are from him. And I kind of want him to come to the realization, us know that he he's come to the realization who these, yeah. what these kids actually are. Have him see him deal with the emotional turmoil of him, of these kids being around his little girl mm -hmm. that he's protective of. Yeah. So we do see at the very end, he's very protective of her. Yeah. Have him deal, come to the realization that these kids are still kids, even though they're sea monster kids. Yeah. They're actually good kids. And there's a chance that if these are good, if these are just like his daughter, then there are adults that are just kind of like they are. Mm -hmm. They're all just scared of each other, which is kind of the point of the Fair. film. Yeah. Like but overcoming devices. But, yeah. but it, we never get to see the journey. It's just like, we, we, we get the introduction. He's an angry man who wants to kill sea monsters mm -hmm. while he's fishing. We get the scene where they go and help him catch the fish. And yeah, he's happy at the end of it, but who wouldn't when he come home with a, with fish so high, they should be sinking the boat. Mm -hmm. And then we never get to see the rest of his journey the rest of the way. I, I'm sorry. Yeah. I can't believe this character is going to immediately be fine with these kids being sea monsters just because they happen to get him a lot of fish. Yeah. I need more than that. Well, it's, it's, I want more than that. Yeah. I, I would agree with you. There, there needs I, to be more explanation I, I, of it. I have to say, I'm, I'm still looking at this as an adult for kids. This may not be an issue, but I, Pixar is better than this. They're good at one of the things I kind of hold Pixar to a higher standard. Okay, there. Because Pixar is usually very good about um, playing to both the kids and the adults in the room. Mm hmm. And I really felt like they played more towards the kids in Fair. this one. And that kind of bugs me a little. Fair. I want them to play more to the... I don't... And it's not like I'm wanting like a whole subplot. I'm wanting scenes. I'm wanting moments mm -hmm. where I can... Where it's understandable. It's like, oh, I see how he's making this turn. Give me a point where he's like fighting with himself. It's like, oh, there are sea monsters. I want them, but... Oh, they're actually good kids, and they're not really that bad. And yeah, he's, give he's me a moment like that. He's he's fighting his biases. Right, give me that. I don't really see him fighting his biases at mm -hmm. all. I yeah, put it. it's more like, I hate sea monsters. And it's that just hour snap. later. Oh, they're sea monsters. They won the race. Yay. Oh, they're good. Yeah, they're good kids. They're good oh. kids. It's like, and, the, and that's just the most prominent example mm -hmm. of this. We have an element introduced in the story that feels yeah. like it's important. And is never touched on. Yeah. Again. It's like, anyway. Yeah. What's your Get third it. dislike? My third like, there again, this is not, this has the, this, this has nothing to do with the film in general. It's the fact that we didn't get to see this in theaters. But like, due, due to COVID restrictions, and obviously COVID was a real thing and it still is. That, you know, hundreds. COVID's of, never going away. Never is going away. It'd be like, it's killed hundreds of thousands of people. Uh, now some of those numbers just, might be inflated, but yeah, it's like the flu. It's yeah. just going to be, we're still dealing with what is arguably the disease that caused the one of the worst pandemics in you in, in, in history yeah. from 1929, 39, uh, 1918, 1918. Yeah. So Spanish flu, Spanish flu. 
and we that's still the flu we fight to this day yes and we just have another thing with the flu now it's just we call it COVID 19 instead of the spanish flu yeah yeah but it's not going away folks no it's not it's, it's not gonna just go away moved into the background where it's not yeah. in our face yeah it's gonna be a seasonal thing now and but uh just the fact that we did not get to see this movie in theaters that you know COVID restrictions as they were uh give or take if you don't like them or whatever uh restricted this movie from coming to theaters which is really really sad i would love to see this in theaters because the last movie we saw from disney was from pixar pixar was, was, onward. Un- was onward and we weren't sure we were getting into the theater when we went to that is that. true that is so true we did a reaction to that and it was the last mm-hmm. theater mm-hmm. reaction we got to do yeah until raya yeah raya every no, other film every other film reaction we did in that time period was uh streaming was streaming yeah yeah, wonderful time. Wonderful time we lived in. Wonderful time we lived in. God, we're not in it anymore. Yeah, amen to that. But uh, yeah, I, I really wish we would be able to see this movie in theaters. Thanks, COVID. But um, yeah, that's that's my third dislike. Be like, I really, I would love the experience of watching this theater because how vibrant this movie is mm-hmm. and how energetic this movie is. The animation in this movie is very be like Pixar animation is always good. Yeah, very good. It's just my 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 deep desire was to watch this movie in theaters, and maybe someday we'll be able to at some point. Maybe someone will put it in theaters and finally be able to watch it. Maybe at, at this stage, there are three movies, three Pixar movies, that I've not seen in theaters. Four, just yeah. four. Luca, Luca, Soul, Soul. Turning Red. Red, Cars Three, Cars Three. You didn't see? Be like, I thought Cars Three was in theaters. It was in theaters. Uh, I didn't get around to watching it. Oh, okay. I've heard Car 3's wasn't any good anyway. I've heard it's different. Uh, but either or, that is that is my third dislike. There were, Did, there were too many movies coming out at that time, and I was very busy at that time. Fair. So fair. That, that, that happens. That's why my uh, my, rec, my my streak is broken right now. Uh, it happens. So, yeah, be like, like COVID nineteen, you we like ruined a chance to watch a movie in theaters. Heck, I saw planes in theaters, and that's not even technically a Pixar film. That it's was a, a Disney tune film. Disney tune film. The only Disney tune they did based off a Pixar f- movie. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. What is your third dislike? I already mentioned it. I remember I was going first on the dislike. That's right, you were. Which means we need to rate this thing. Yes. What do you rate? I'm giving it a seven point five. Seven point five. Okay. I don't hate this film. Don't okay. get me wrong. This film is connected to a stressful time in all our lives, mm-hmm. at least from my perspective. So that's always going to put a pall over this film. Mm-hmm. It's not, it's a movie I understand at the time why it didn't go to theaters. Yeah. Because Pixar would have wanted an exciting movie to go back into theaters too, and this is not an exciting film. Mm. This would have been a great one for. Before COVID, to come yeah, out. Yeah, agreed. But when you're looking for the first move, first Pixar movie to go back in theaters, that's a net. And, and you I, pick Lightyear, especially since Turning Red was right there. Oh yeah, absolutely. And I thought I was going to hate Turning Red. Yeah, and I love Turning Red. That was a, just a fun movie. Yeah, agreed. Lightyear, there's eh. eh, too much pandering to other to politics. Yep, yeah, yeah. among other problems. Among other problems. Yeah. But, yeah, I understand why this one didn't go to theaters uh, it, under the circumstances, mm-hmm. even though I would have loved to have seen it in a the theater. Um, 
and as much as you know, I, I said earlier, this feels a lot like uh, uh, the t- more calmer Miyazaki or Studio Ghibli films. Yeah, and, and for and it's a good reason. It's kind of inspired by it, but I don't feel like this has that level of quality that a Studio Ghibli film might have. I, and I can't tell I, you why that is. I get that. Other than Pixar has, has not. This is like the only quote-unquote quiet Pixar film. Yeah, it is. It doesn't have that magic that a Miyazaki film It doesn't have the magic that a Ghibli film has. Yeah. And it's somewhat missing some of that Pixar magic. And I can't tell you why it's missing. I'm assuming it's because it ha- was made during COVID. Yeah. And that caused just some uh, issues in the filmmaking, in, the, in Pixar's filmmaking process that just drained it of its magic to the point where it's like it's not as good as i want it mm. it's not a bad film and that's why i'm giving it 7.5 i got you but it's just not as good as it could have been fair what's your rating on my this? rating is going to be in like a solid eight be like i enjoy the film for what it is it's very vibrant it's a very animation wise is very beautiful the the homage to Hayao Miyazaki films and the old Looney Tunes shorts mm-hmm. and the the style in which they do the characters the characters movements the character motivations the character relationship dynamics uh, and all these other wonderful things about this film are great but they're like you said be like the like some of the motivations are a little bit weird the um, our, our, our villain is a very bland and boring, forgetful villain. Uh, he, you just want him to go away kind of villain. He does. There's no real like uh, thrust of danger when it comes to a villain. He just, he's not there. Um, like be like, and again, like um, one of the points you talked about with the, um, with like, like I rambled on him about, about little, him a little, but yeah, <laughs> like the, the parents motivations, like there's a lot of like the 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 reasoning behind a lot of things we don't really there's not a whole lot of like meat behind it. Mm-hmm. It's just like you're just oh it's just there. And I mean I really wish they would invest a little bit more yeah. time, give it a little more of that pizzazz, put a little more pizzazz in the story, giving you know flushing things out more mm-hmm. because uh, heck they did it better in uh, Finding Nemo. Yeah, in in a lot of ways, and I I do I do agree with but like. There, there's something I'm missing about this film that doesn't quite give it that studio mad studio Ghibli magic or Miyazaki film or Pixar magic. or Pixar magic somewhere in the middle. Be like it's it's good, but it's it's miss it's missing that special sauce. I I have a good I think I have a good analogy for what okay. what what it is. This is vanilla ice cream. Okay, vanilla ice cream is not bad. No, if vanilla ice cream is all you can get. None of us are going to complain about it. Exactly. But vanilla ice cream is a lot better mm. when you throw in like strawberries yeah. or chocolate syrup or peanuts. Or, yeah. Or some sort of something you combine into it by itself. It's fine. But mm. with, you know, other things mm. put on top of it, it gets better. Yeah. It's a good base mm-hmm. and it's fine by itself, but it could be so much better if you throw in a little bit of this extra. Yeah. Agreed. That's a good analogy. That's so, yeah. Yeah. Eight. Next week, we are going to be. If I can get to it. Getting there. (laughs) 
Yeah, next week we are going to be reviewing another movie from our very first year. Yes. A rewind episode on Batman Beyond: Return of the Joker. And I think we should. Uh, I did. I still would love to know what kind of name is Bonk. Bonk. <laughs> but Bill, I did. I did a little research beforehand. Uh, the Little Mermaid is still coming out uh, next week. So we'll have to figure out how we're doing the reactions for that. Exactly. Because I know me and Ashley are going to go watch it. I know that. Okay. So join us next week for that. Uh, I'm going to play the the bumpers for the intermission. And when we come back, we are going to be talking what we've been watching, uh, some stuff in the news, and then, of course, some X-Men. This podcast is a proud member of Culture Box. Whether you enjoy geeky reviews, comedy, or original fiction, you can open up the Culture Box and find something excellent for your soul. Point your web browser to culturebox.media. This week, we suggest checking out the Untold Podcast, which is a speculative fiction podcast using the genres of sci-fi, fantasy, and horror, among others, in order to engage the culture's imagination from a Christian worldview. Every month, Nathan James Norman produces and narrates a new story presented in a unique and dynamic way. Check out The Untold Podcast at theuntoldpodcast.com to listen and leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Also, I found out recently that they may be coming out with a new episode finally soon after their hiatus. Woo. So, woohoo! The Cellcast would like to thank the following patrons. Ashley and Francisco Ruiz, Book of Gaming, PaulJPowers.com, and Melanie Dubois. To get your name on the show, plus uncut episodes, early access to the Cellcast, plus reviews and special art from Jacob, please donate to us on Patreon. So, Jacob, I've got a question for you. What have you been watching? Okay, so what have I been watching? So I have uh, continued my journey into the world of Inuyasha. I think I'm in, I'm, I'm like almost halfway through season two. Uh, they're gonna I'm watching these on Netflix. I think they have all five seasons, three seasons, five or six seasons. I think it's seven seasons altogether. And the final act, which is another another Te- series. Technically, it's a different series, even though it's the last season. Yeah, technically. But there was a weird. There's a large gap between. The yeah. original run in the last season. I agree. I agree. Uh, so I watch, I'm watching that uh, there again when Yasha originally came out on Tsunami. I really enjoyed it. Um, not I'm, There again, it's a movie. It's a show designed for teenage drama the whole bit. Be like, I just like the action. I, I love right. the storytelling in this show. I think it's great. Uh, I An odd one, because I remember someone talking about Pokemon at some point. I was like, I was on Netflix. I think I just got done watching uh, Inuyasha, and I saw what was it, uh, Indigo League Pokemon? Yeah, that's what the the first season, uh, section is is now referred to as. Yeah, so I, I watched that's the, the original. Got to catch them all, Pokemon. Yeah, so I watched that first episode. I'm like, okay, this is kind of weird. Like, because Ash should be like, he's this ten year old. Why in the world would you put a 10-year-old out in the world by themselves to go catch Pokemon? I do not understand this. <laughs> like, it's it's this idea of uh, parent, uh, parental irresponsibility. It's like, oh, 
That that's what your job in the world is to go catch Pokemon at ten years old. <laughs> like the Digidestined are any better? Well, they got sucked into the world. They really didn't have a choice. <laughs> These kids have choice. They have agenda. This is part of their culture. <laughs> Every child leaves at home at apparently ten. at fact, ten years old. The fact that of, in all the games, only one of them has a, only one of the protagonists actually has a father. Oh, okay. who's still alive because he's actually a gym leader. Mm. I don't know. I just, I just be like, you're, you're not poking anything that hasn't already. Oh, yeah, been I, I know. I know. So much, it's a bloody pulp. Yeah, it's it's been monted. Yes. We, we all know how weird that is. Barrett, I don't know how far you only watched one episode. Yes, I watched you one episode. You don't know how things go after that at any point. No, I, 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 so I you don't know about Ash's mom's Mister Mime. No. No. Okay, I, we're gonna yeah. leave it at that. So I, I speaking of, allow poker. me to give. I will give you some. Uh, uh, horrible rumor mongering. Oh God! Get off because oh. I can't bring it up on air. <laughs> My gosh! So I I saw, I saw this video. Or just, this, just this think about who, who, where Ash's I, I, eyes actually sh- came from. Shush! <laughs> shush! <laughs> shush! <laughs> Thank you very much, oh Christian Lot. Hush! <laughs> so I I, I found this real shush on that show. Shush! <laughs> Remember, the only time experience points was ever mentioned in the show was when Meowth gave all his up to learn how to talk. <laughs> Snarf. Anyway, sorry. <laughs> but anyways, I, I saw this reel on Instagram and I die laughing because I, I'd be like, I didn't realize that how the, the, uh, what would be the, the, uh, the relationship between Ash and Misty, I believe it is. It's like they just do not like each other at all. Uh, yeah, because <laughs> Ash stole her bike to save Pikachu. That is true. That first the time... bike got struck by lightning, lightning and was destroyed, and that's why she tags along with Ash in the beginning because he owes her a bike <laughs> okay. for the money to buy a new one. That is fair. That is fair, but oh my gosh the entire reason she's there that is true because like it it brings a different dynamic to the characters but uh i I saw this one video where it's just more like like any time be like they're talking about like beautiful girls or something like that then ash just digs at her about it it's like oh like they're any better to uh Brock with with all the nurse joys and oh yeah yeah, yeah. jenny's he's want he's wanting to date but there again, be like, I only watched the first episode. I've I've seen the the first movie. I saw the remake m- remake of that movie, and be like, I like those. Those are interesting. Um, there again, if you want to go watch see our our review of the first film, uh, what was it? Pokemon the movie. Pokemon the first movie. Mewtwo versus Street. Mew. Yeah, it's actually got a super long name. Yeah, that is a very like go and check that out wherever you listen to podcasts. Uh, so I watched that. Uh, we went and reviewed Susan May, Susan May, Susan May in theaters. Uh, they're gonna thank you, Ashley. Uh, love you for coming out and uh, hanging in with us. And uh, we watched that. The review, the reaction should come out in a couple of days. I'm gonna try Sunday, try Sunday. Uh, so then, uh, so 
as most people know, Power Rangers gets brought up a lot in this show sometimes. 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 So as probably most people know who listen to our podcast know that uh, Netflix was coming out with the special uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Once and Forever. Was once coming and in, always. Once and always. Sorry. Once and always. Uh, was coming out on Wednesday. And my thought was, you know what? I'm going to get up early. I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch this special, just, you know, exorbitant because we know the internet loves to spoil everything. Oh, wait till we get to my thing. Oh, I'll I'll get to talk. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I I, I think I know what you're talking about. Let's just say I had a lot that I was worried about getting spoiled this week. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I think I've seen anyway. the spoilers on what you, I think what you're talking about, but uh, yeah, watch that really, really well done. Um, and I think be like, I've listened to a few podcasts, like normal YouTube, like normal. Uh, I'm a true crime fan. So I just watch anything true crime or it's history mm-hmm. related. Um, but I think let's other than that, I might be, be like, I might be like, Hey, I watched this, but that's all I got. What do you got? Well, on top of Susan May and Power Rangers once and always, season finale of Mandalorian was this week, Mm -hmm. and I was successful in dodging that, those spoilers, not that there were many uh, that could come up. So how was was Grogu and Friends part four? The the season is actually pretty decent, especially if you've watched uh, all of the stuff in Clone Wars and Rebels dealing with uh... Bo-Katan Kreese. I okay. didn't think of her name. Okay. Uh, and all the other stuff dealing with the Mandalorians. Yeah. If you are caught up on that story, mm. this actually has a lot going for it because she's a major character in this season. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's the it's not the best uh, Star Wars I've seen, mm-hmm. but it was pretty decent. It was fun. It's, okay, I'm actually curious where this is, where it's going to lead next season, or technically in Ahsoka, since okay. that's that's, gone, that's this year. Uh-huh. So that's Grogu and Friends season five, because <laughs> we know Grogu and Mando are going to show up. Ahsoka's already shown up in Grogu and Friends mm-hmm. in season two and three. Yeah, and season four was already hinting at where Ahsoka mm-hmm. the story that we've seen in the trailer for Ahsoka. Yeah. So it's Grogu and Friends season five. <laughs> I'm sorry. It is. And apparently they're going to make a movie at some point with all this. That's crossing. what Dave Filoni's leading to because all the Dave Filoni Star Wars stuff is now leading towards a setup for a movie he is making. Mm. So we will find out what that is at a later date. So the Grogu movie. <laughs> I want this Grogu, <laughs> a Star Wars movie. Actually, we must be fair now. Okay. Din Grogu, a Star Wars story. Din Grogu. Got to use his full name. Okay. Gotcha. Anyway, so what else have you been watching more related to Star something? So if you remember last Friday when mm-hmm. we were recording our review for Snow White, Yes. I mentioned that I had finished season two yes. of Star Trek Picard. You did. And had watched the first two episodes. Mm-hmm. By Monday, I was caught up. Wow. Episode nine. Wow. Uh, it, is, it was that good. It's like it got me, and I was just there for the rest of uh, yeah. 
you know, the time we were there. The times I wasn't watching, the reasons I wasn't watching it is because I had something else planned that I had to be at. Fair. Sunday was actually very hard. Hmm. Because between... Oh, yeah. Sunday morning. <laughs> yeah. Uh, potluck. Potluck. And then us going to see Susan May. Mm. I didn't get to watch any Picard that day. Mm. And I had two episodes I needed to watch before <laughs> the spoiler machine <laughs> from the week before was going to catch up to me. And... Hey, YouTube thumbnail, you spoiled it. <laughs> Thankfully, while I was spoiled on the big reveal, yeah, it didn't really lessen the impact. Okay, that much. Yeah, I've, I've also seen the spoilers to... of that. I'm like, really? I'm going. To... <laughs> when we get done, before you run off, yeah. I know you don't know anything about Star Trek The Next Generation. Oh, I've watched I, a little bit of Generation. I'm going to make you watch the two scenes that made me go, okay. <laughs> okay, then. Yeah. I, I, it's, I, it's, Picard Season 3, right? Picard Season 3. Okay. You're never going to catch up to it. You're never going to watch it, probably. Who knows? You might. Maybe. But maybe not. Anyway. Uh, so, yeah, Episode 10. <laughs> <laughs> I watched that, too. And I had... It was... I posted on, I think, in Devoted Geek Life mm -hmm. that Star Trek Picard Season 3 was everything I'd been wanting out of mm -hmm. Star Trek Picard since it first aired. But we didn't get it till now, mm -hmm. and it get, didn't just give me what I wanted. It gave me more. Yeah. Things that I wanted mm -hmm. but never expected we'd actually get. Yeah. And I'm very happy about that. Mm -hmm. If you are a Star Trek The Next Generation fan... While I understand why Picard season one and two are a little not as enjoyable, mm -hmm. even though you should give it a shot anyway. Yeah. And you're going to have to, if you want to understand this couple of plot points for season three, because it does take place after season one and two. So you kind of need to know Obviously. what happens. Mm -hmm. um, you owe it to yourself mm -hmm. to watch season three. Even if you, everything's already been spoiled mm -hmm. for you, yeah. I don't care. You need to go watch it. Yeah. To find out what that was referring to. Yeah. Anyway, I don't even know what he's. I, I kind of know what he's talking about in a way, but I don't know everything. So, anyway, I watched that. Uh, I I'm trying to think if I actually watched any anime this week because I did have some time <laughs> between episode nine and ten. Wow. Um, how long are those episodes? Like what? Thirty an minutes? hour long. They're hour long. It's a ten hour. It, well. 45 minutes to an hour. Okay. Let me put it this way. Grogu, every episode of Grogu and Friends this season, mm -hmm. 35 to 40 minutes long. Okay. About what you expect. Yeah. Every episode of the of Picard was at least an hour long, and it's packed. You don't even realize the hour has passed. Wow. Half the time we got to the end of an episode, and I was like, oh, we're at the end of the episode. <laughs> I didn't realize we were that close. Okay. Because there's other than uh, it does feel like we're leading up to a cliffhanger and cliffhanger. It's a good it's a good show. Okay, it's a very good show. Uh, I want to say I watched some anime this week, but I can't, I can't think of what the, the show was. Oh, I restarted Konosuba. Oh, <laughs> oh my god! You know which one Konosuba is? Uh, the one about it's an isekai. Yeah, about a guy who gets reincarnated in another world. 
he can bring whatever he wants so he chooses the goddess who's sending him oh that yeah that's kind of and she's useless that is true and he get and then he oh my gosh kind of teamed up with another girl yeah who is an archmage but only knows one spell explosion <laughs> and when she uses it she now then has no more energy the rest of the day yeah and then there's darkness oh god crusader oh my god really oh. likes being a tank oh my god that's all i'm gonna say about that and the reason i was rewatching it is because somehow when we were watching that chases mm-hmm. i missed the last half of season one really yeah mm. i don't know how that happened mm. so i am finishing up season one then i'm then i'll watch season two and then oh. i'm gonna watch the prequel se- season that's running right now mm. that's about said girl learning explosion magic oh gosh and oh, apparently really? an entire school of hers oh no oh crap but possibly <laughs> some of them actually being decent wizards <laughs> okay anyway <laughs> uh so yeah that's what i've been watching okay so jacob what do we got in the news The Cellcast News with your host Jacob Heron. Why, thank you, Dealit. And going into this week's news, so I mentioned that, what was it, HBO Max? Twitter account announced that they are doing a new Looney Tunes story with a Looney Tunes uh, Looney University. Oh, Tiny Tunes. Yeah, tiny, that's what I'm going to say. Tiny Tunes. I say I said Looney Tunes, but Tiny Tunes. I mean, it's connected, so I get it. It's connected. Uh, there again, Tiny Tunes Adventure was a show that came on when we were kids. Uh, I love Tiny Tunes Adventures. Uh, so to see there, it's coming back on HBO Max, or I think they're going to retitle it Max. Uh, it looks interesting. They did a they did a uh, a trailer kind of promoting the Looniversity. Uh, that was fun. That was interesting. So yeah, I will um, remind me to post that video, the uh, trailer on the Facebook page. Okay. So yeah, I think that's all that came out. Be like there again. Um, uh, Suzumi came out. Suzumi recently came out. We're doing a reaction to that. Or we did a reaction, it just didn't be put out. And um, obviously, uh, this is not animation related, but we did mention it before with Mighty Morphin Power Rangers once and always. That came out on Netflix. Uh, other than that, be like, I, 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 I have use... a tangential okay. news item. Okay, what's that? I say it's tangential because it's not technically, it is connected to an animated movie that we have seen. But this is an issue that dates back to when this to early Mario stuff. Okay. In the Japanese version, one of the characters is getting renamed. Really? Yes. Uh, the character of Spike, mm-hmm. the uh, Wrecking Crew owner that was oh yeah, in the yeah. movie was mm-hmm. uh, making fun of Mario for quitting their job and being yeah. plumbers. Yeah, he's from the game Wrecking Crew. Mm-hmm. Well, in Japan, his character's name is Blackie. Blackie. Yes. Oh, okay. 
And there are a lot of problem with that. I see no problems with that whatsoever. Wink, wink, nudge, especially since he's as white as both me and you. Yeah. Uh, and some of it's not just in Japan where he has that name. There are some other of the more Asian countries that mm. took a that essentially it's that name, but mm. pronounced in their uh, language, you know, accent, their way of saying the name. Yeah. Um, all of those are now officially, be, especially with the movie, since the movie is bringing the character back in the spotlight. This mm. is the impetus. All those characters are all, that character is getting renamed completely to uh, Spike across the board. Oh, okay. Just a weird little that is weird story that came out be- that ha- is happening because of an animated movie. Hmm. Interesting. Granted, Spike has not been seen since Wrecking Crew '98. Okay. In 1998. Wow. So you can tell how important it was for this character to get renamed. Because <laughs> I doubt we're getting a Wrecking Crew game anytime soon. Yeah. I mean, the game has been re-released on, like, uh, uh, Nintendo Online service, so you can play the old NES game and stuff like that. But, Mm. yeah. Right. Just a a weird little moment. I agree. I agree. So, yeah, that's all I have for the news. All right. So, we should probably jump into our X-Men. Or into the Savage Land. Finally. Previously on X-Men. Amazing friends, Iceman and Firestar. season finale reunion parts one and two is what we're reviewing tonight part one came out on february 12th 1994 while part two came out on february 19th 1994 both episodes were directed by larry houston part one was written by len ween and part two by michael eden In these two episodes, Xavier and Magneto finally make their way back to Xavier's plane, only to be ambushed by some mutates. The new ruler of the Savage Land is revealed, but not until they make a new ally. Morph sends a message to the X-Men revealing his location, which provides an encounter with Mr. Sinister and his group of nasty boys. These guys again. 
The X-Men are now in the Savage Land and are powerless like Xavier and Magneto, which leave the X-Men open to being experimented on by Mr. Sinister. The only ones left to rescue them are Kazar and Wolverine. Mm -hmm. Once everyone regains their powers, the Savage Land is restored. But what does the future hold for the Savage Land now? Guest cast for this includes John Blackwood as Hairbag. <laughs> Gotta love that name. <laughs> yes. Robert Boxdale as Sauron, Kazar, and Brainchild. Chris Britton as Mr. Sinister, a.k.a. Nathaniel Essex. David Himblin as Magneto. I am Magneto, Master of Magnet. <laughs> Dan Hennessy as Ruckus. Peter... McCowett as Amphibious and Barbarous. Ron Rubin as Morph. Megan Smith-Harris as Vertigo and Shauna the She-Devil. And Rod Wilson as Gorgeous George. Gosh. <laughs> in, this episode is the debut of Lupo and Brainchild in the Savage mm -hmm. Land, along with Kazar and Zabu. Mm-hmm. Brainchild, a somewhat creepy-looking mutate, tells Professor Xavier that he watches the equipment while the master is away. Uh, he sounds like a certain character. This is a reference to the movie Manos, The Hands of Fate from 1966, huh. a film that features a creepy-looking satire, satyr, named Torgo, who takes care of the place while the master is away. <sighs> and you have never heard of Manos, The Hands of Fate, No, have no you? I never have. It is a bad movie okay. that I first learned of because of Mystery Science Theater 3000. Ah. Torgo is a popular character among the uh, people. Fun fact, that movie was made because somebody lost a bet. Really? And was made in El Paso. Oh, gosh. <laughs> and looks like absolute garbage. Okay, then. <laughs> but anyway... Interestingly enough, Magneto identifies the leader of the Mutates as Sauron. In The Lord of the Rings, the oh, wizard Gandalf oh, yes. leads the fight against a villain named Sauron. Both Magneto and Gandalf have been played at least once by Sir Ian McKellen. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I made that connection. It was like, wow. <laughs> when Morph is shown during his Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde performance... Mm -hmm. His appearance is based on Calvin Zabo, a.k.a. Mr. Hyde, Marvel villain of Daredevil and Thor. This marks also marks the character's first kind of sort of appearance on television. I, I, I was totally, I didn't know that. I didn't either. <laughs> I'm, oh, assuming like, I am, huh? I'm assuming IMDb's uh, trivia is not guiding me down the wrong path. <laughs> but anyway... Jacob, what are your thoughts on these two episodes? Is, these were good episodes. They're going to, it wraps the story up. There again, be like, obviously, you knew it was Sinister behind the entire thing. You knew it. I mean, he's been, he was at the beginning when they landed in the, in the Savage Lands the first time uh -huh. because Morph sent them there. Yes. So, gee, I wonder. Yeah, I wonder why. Hmm. Because Sinister was our villain in the, the, the beginning of the season. Obviously, you got to wrap that around what you know what happens with Sinister in the end, mm -hmm. and uh, I think they 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 play it very well. It's the storytelling is very well done, to an extent. 
Uh, I enjoy where the the X-Men are lured into the Savage Land. They know they're going into a trap and they go anyway because they got to save the professor and Magneto. Uh, and I, I love there again, the dynamic between Xavier and Magnus or Magneto. I think it's very, it's very well done, even though it's sparsely done throughout the series, throughout season two. And um, I find that very interesting that these two characters who be like have dynamically, dynamically, I'm saying that right. Dynamically, dynamically or, opposed. Yeah. Uh, viewpoints. Uh, they they have to work together. They have to work together in order to survive. And I, I enjoy that part where the X Men come into the land and they don't have their powers. And uh, I, I I can't remember what character says it, but it's be like you know what what are be like what are you without your powers? Nothing. And that's that's so incredibly true that these these uh, super powered heroes. Without their powers, minus Wolverine, be like our normal human beings who are are so codependent on their powers. Mm -hmm. And um, I don't know if they explore that later in the series or not, but it's it's very interesting when you have a a mutant character who no longer use their powers to how how are they able to defend themselves against other mutants without power. So I, I find that very interesting, except for Wolverine. I, I loved where Wolverine be like, he, he realized he can still pop his claws out, but it hurts. Like was, we don't we get him on the ground screaming because his hands, he's the adamantium going through his, his hands. Mm -hmm. But uh, I, I enjoy that part. I, I enjoy the story itself where uh, Rogue and uh, Rogue and Gambit finally share a kiss with each other. Yeah. How much be like, they do mean each other mean to each other and uh i enjoy that part i love it where scott uh removes his visor or moves his uh his uh it's a visor right yeah it's a visor yeah removes his visor and you actually see his face because he no longer has an optic blast i enjoy that uh there again it ties him with be like mutants without powers or just normal human beings and th they know what it means to be vulnerable and uh, the the part I didn't like because they they literally just rehash what they did in the did in episode one season two is or I think it's it's a two, it was a two parter right mm -hmm. where it's be like oh um, Mr. Sinister's doing his same song and dance I've got to get uh, Jean Grey I've got to get Cyclops because we got to make them you know do this dance in order to fulfill some kind of thing he wants to do with mutant kind. It's the same song and dance and it's sinister. Be like doing his sinister thing. And it's just be like, it's, it's, it's the, the final episode is just a rehash of the part two from the beginning of the season. And I, I wish they would have done something a little different, but it's the same song and dance, except they finally defeat sinister, except, you know, he's, He's still going to come back. We know that. Yeah. But it's that same song and dance. So it's, they, they rehash it. I was kind of like, I was slightly, I was disappointed that we did the same song and dance. I wish we had done something a little different, mm -hmm. but that's part two. That's, that is my thoughts on parts one and two of reunion. So I am happy. We're finally getting at least some, uh, Wrap up on Magneto and Xavier's uh, romp through the Savage Lands. Mm -hmm. 
though like i said last week it really does feel like that was meant to be a separate episode that they didn't have enough time to yeah my money to make an episode on i agree so it would that would have been nice to at least have that to help uh cement that in because i swear some of the scenes in the first episodes you know previously on x-men segment those we didn't actually some of those we didn't actually see and during the episode that's a possibility and those a lot of those felt like they must have been deleted scenes because a lot of that I just did not remember mm. happening, which you know, stuff happens. At least yeah. we did get to see some of it to help lead us into this episode. Uh, agreed. But um, yeah, I uh, there was I, I, I count a couple of errors, mm-hmm. animation errors. Uh, one of them the the uh, the the red diamond on Mister Sinister's chest mm-hmm. for like half of a scene it's black and then it turns red oh yeah that's right that's <laughs> Which right was like, oh it was like it was, like, it, was a be- it was interesting it's like i'm watching this going hey that 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 diamond is supposed to be red isn't it boom it's red it's like thank you for that answer um <laughs> uh, mr sinister i don't think is is an odd villain okay he's an odd villain. i, I, I don't really understand grant i have not read the x-men comics from this era Mm-hmm. or much X-Men comics in general, for being yeah. honest. So I really don't know what Mr. Sinister's motivation for what he, or I, can, I don't really understand what he's doing, what his point is, other than he's experimenting on mutants yeah. and trying to make a better mutant, yeah. I guess. And that's why taking over what was apparently Magneto's uh, base in the Savage Lands, mm-hmm. where he was also experimenting on humans, or on making mutates mm-hmm. for whatever reason. Uh, th- that makes sense to some degree, but th- this is, to some degree, this was a straightforward episode. It was a rescue op. Mm-hmm. Some It somewhat went south. Uh, and a lot of it was, ah, I'm stronger than you are. Uh, we're, I'm going to weaken, uh, I'm going to take Magneto's strength and make it mine. Mm-hmm. It's like, will you shut up, lady? Vertigo isn't a very annoying character. I agree. She is. Uh, and I still don't really know. Okay, so she took, I'm assuming, copied, Mr. Mr. Sinister copied Magneto's uh, magnetism off of him and gave it to yeah. her, is what I'm assuming I understood what happened. But I still don't see her. Her she's doing more, Her powers are more psychic before that point. Yeah, but she, she never used the magnetism. I think it's just more she absorbs more of his strength than maybe, his power. Maybe I mean the uh, she never uses the magnetism. Her, her energy uh, wave, is, wave is a different color. Yeah, it's it's more uh, it's it's less glowy. You can kind of see the the, the pattern, yeah. the gel pattern that was behind it. Yeah, uh, and uh, after that point, and her energy output is more like you know Magneto's red uh, expanding circle that he uses a lot of times. Except it was not red. It was anyway. I was really more hoping to see, like, okay, it, this sounds a lot like Weapon X. Yeah. Because maybe that was... Maybe, I don't know. I, I'm assuming this was copying Weapon X, because I assume in the comics, Weapon X had already happened by this point. Yeah. But then I don't really know how things... I don't I don't know a, actual turn of events in the comics. But this seems a lot like what they were do, doing with uh, Weapon X, where they're trying to make the perfect mutant by combining all these mm-hmm. different powers along with the animantium 
and all that. Yeah, no X-Men Origins Wolverine. Thank you very much. No, 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 no. I hate their excuse for where Deadpool's name came from in that movie because that's not what the name comes from. Mm. Deadpool was literally called Deadpool in the comic in in the comics and in, uh, by uh, because he was a failed. Ex- they thought he was a failed experiment, yeah. so they threw him with the rest of the failed experiments it's in the Deadpool. Deadpool. Mm-hmm. And he took his name from that. Mm-hmm. Not that he was this ultimate machine that was a pool of deadly powers. Yeah, it's like. That's uh, dumb. Yeah, agree. It is dumb. Anyway, uh, I, I don't know. Mr. Sinister is is just such a, an odd villain for the X-Men. Yeah. And I still don't know what his motivation is anymore. And Because I, I get what Apocalypse is. is that's very obvious. Mm-hmm. He wants to cause the Apocalypse. I get what Magneto's trying to do. He's trying to raise... Uh, he, he's trying to fight for mutant superiority mm-hmm. or at least that's generally what he's does yeah and uh mojo mojo just wants to make make uh, i knew it's a good television around no that's not what he wants mojo just wants to make profitable television <laughs> yes but you get to mr sinister it's like are you just playing god is that your thing pretty much because I really hope you're more. It was one of those things where I was watching, going, "I really hope you're a more interesting character in the comics than you are here," and that maybe at some point this will bleed over, and I'll understand what your entire point is. Because I actually have this problem with the movies too, because he's mm. in uh, Days of Future Past, because he's mm. the one in charge of uh, the Sentinel program. Yes, for some reason. reason. Yeah, and it's like I still don't know what your thing is. But anyway. Uh, I am looking forward to next season. That's looking like it's probably going to be good. Yes. Uh, And we're getting a lot more like the classic stories. Yeah. And this wasn't a bad uh, couple episodes. It did do a nice job of wrapping up Mm kind of what the season was. Because this season was very much, we needed to get the two biggest egos out of the room Mm -hmm. so that we could learn about all our characters. Yeah. And that's why they were in that. Honestly, that's in my thought. That's why Magneto and Xavier were in the Savage Land, so they would mm-hmm. not be involved in yeah. causing issues, so that the rest of the team could get their time in the spotlight. Mm-hmm. Now that we know who these characters are mm-hmm. to some degree, yes, I'm really hoping next season, at least looking at the episodes for next season, I know we're going to get into some really some of the classic stuff. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Getting to really good stuff because I think if I'm not mistaken. We're coming up on Phoenix. Yeah, we are. Which is going to be, oh boy, it's the it's the third episode in season three, ah. and it's a saga. And that's just the regular Phoenix. Yeah, not, not dark, dark Phoenix. Phoenix. <laughs> so yeah. In fact, uh, next episodes that we're going to be reviewing are out of the past. Savage or... Land. Savage. Nope. No. I jumped ahead. out of the past, out of the past, part one, one and, part two, one and two. two. So join us next time for that. Uh, you got anything before we cut out for the evening? Uh, no, this was a really good uh, conclusion to a series. Uh, look, definitely look forward to season three because season three, that's where things are really good. Uh, definitely calls you from the comics and in this series. Cause there mm-hmm. again, a lot of us growing up did, were not, 
be like big comic nerds until you watch X-Men, Batman, Spider-Man, all these great things. That's where a lot of the geekdom comes from. Yeah. Well, and I think if I'm not mistaken, season three is where most of my memories for the show actually lie. Yeah. Because, well, yeah, this would be about the time I was starting to really pay attention. Mm -hmm. So join us next week for that, along with Batman, Batman and X-Men in the same episode. We are going back to the 90s. Yes, we are. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Yes. So, yeah. Join us next week for that. In the meantime, this has been Drew. This is Jacob. And we'll catch you in the next frame. You can follow Jacob on his Facebook at Jacob B. Heron. His Facebook page, Jacob's Daily Art Corner, where he tries to draw each and every day. His Instagram at Jacob B. Heron. His Twitter at Jacob Heron. And his letterbox to Jacob Heron. You can find Drew on Facebook at Drew Dodgen. His Facebook page, Drew's photo bin to see his photography. His letterboxed page at GGeorge759. His Twitter at GGeorge759. And Instagram at Drew Dodgen. You can like us on Facebook at The Cellcast Podcast. On Twitch at The Cellcast Gaming. On YouTube at Cellcast. On Twitter at Cast underscore Cell. The Cellcast can be found at Apple Podcasts, Google Play Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, or anywhere else fine podcasts are downloaded from. Please rate and review us where you found us, and also on Podchaser. Email us at thecellcastpodcast at gmail.com. The Cellcast is a proud member of both the Pop Americana and Culture Box Media Networks. For more information, please see the link in the description. Our theme song is Drop and Roll by Silent Partner. And remember, that's Cell with a single L. Justice?